And then everyone else can go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to start a new chapter this morning. And uh, not sure if we're going to actually get through everything this morning, but we'll, we'll do what we can here and, and see what the Lord does. So um, 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to be in verses 1 through 4. Open your Bible. If you don't have one, it should be a, a Bible right in front of you in the chair. It's on page 382 of uh, that Bible. So we've uh, followed the prophet Elijah through this amazing missionary, or this, this amazing mission that God has selected him for. And along the way, he's been through some pretty deep valleys and across some, some mountaintops. And he, we've seen him at the, the lowest of lows and at the highest of highs. He's witnessed the power of God on a personal and on a national level. Last week we saw him play a part in a dramatic display of God's power. God used him to, 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 uh, to make a divisive victory over the prophets of Baal and cause the people to fall on their faces before God. A reminder that it only takes one spark to get a fire like that going. God can use one person to begin an amazing work of revival. We've, we've witnessed a lot about this man, Elijah, a man like us. In chapter 17, we saw his humility. In chapter 18, we, we saw his heroism. Here in chapter 19, we're going to be confronted with his humanity. His humanity. We're reminded again of the words James used to describe Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So let's read our passage for this morning, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I think there's an important phrase that we all need to remember. Even the best of men are only men at best. Even people that we put on the highest pedestal are, after all, only human. That's one of the things that you should appreciate about the Bible. In the Bible, we, we read accounts of people with incredible faith, wonderful miracles, and staggering courage. Yet at the same time, we also read about some of these very same people falling into sinful behavior and having times of, of real doubt. The Bible is a balanced book. It's a balanced book. It tells the truth about people. So this morning, we're going to see a different view of Elijah than we've seen before. We've seen him as a courageous miracle worker who had deep faith, incredible courage, and a, and a powerful prayer life. This morning, we're going to look at a prophet that is worn out and discouraged. We all have known times of discouragement, haven't we? I mean, someone 
you love dies. You work hard, but no one seems to, to notice or appreciate your work. Someone that you thought was your friend attacked you or betrayed you. Seems like all that anyone does is complain around you. You're sick, you're hurting. Seems like no one cares. You work hard, but it doesn't seem like it's ever enough. I mean, on and on and on, we all face points of discouragement. This account of 1 Kings 19 is, is not an embarrassment for us. It, it's the truth. It's the truth. And I hope this passage will help us to confront some of our own discouraging times and find a way through and, and out of them. So what are the causes of discouragement? Remember what's led up to this moment. Israel had fallen into uh, idolatry that had been encouraged by Ahab and Jezebel. God had sent Elijah to confront Ahab and tell him the nation was going to be punished for their sin. There was going to be no rain. There was going to be a drought. And after three years of this drought, Elijah proposed a contest between the priests of Baal and himself as the prophet of God. This, this would prove once and for all who was really God. The final score of the contest, God won. Baal, negative 450. An unmistakable victory that, that couldn't be denied. And after the contest, Elijah prayed for God to send the rain. He told Ahab to go ahead and head for home because the rain is coming. Elijah ran ahead of the chariot all the way to Jezreel, like 20 miles. He outran the chariot. Elijah was winded, but he was exhilarated at this great victory that he had just, just witnessed, just been part of. Then we come to our passage. Suddenly we see Elijah is discouraged. He wants to die. Why? Why? What are some of the factors that can lead us to become discouraged or even depressed, despondent like Elijah? Let's look at some of the factors that led him to be this way. First, Elijah was discouraged because of a real threat. See that in verses 1 and 2. Jezebel apparently was waiting for Ahab and Jezreel. She probably saw the fire from heaven. Now she probably sees the rain coming. This may have been the same, same evening as the contest on Mount Carmel. Jezebel would have asked the king what happened as, as soon as he arrived. Anxious to hear about the contest, no, doubtful, no doubt hopeful. The priest of Baal had shut up Elijah once and for all may still be raining. Elijah may, may have still been out in the parking lot trying to catch his breath from his run. What Jezebel heard did not make her happy. Our text tells us, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Notice Ahab didn't say anything about what God had done. He only talked about what Elijah did. So Ahab is still unwilling to give God credit, at least to his wife. Jezebel, of course, she's furious. 
She sends a messenger to Elijah and tells him, you're as good as dead. That's odd, isn't it? Jezebel really wanted to kill Elijah. Why didn't she just send somebody to do it? Why warn him? Did she just want to scare him? We don't know for sure. But Elijah didn't stick around to find out. Didn't stick around to see if Jezebel was serious or not. She had killed the prophets before, and, and she may not hesitate to do it again. Elijah wasted no time in getting out of town. Instead of standing like he did before Ahab and, and the prophets of Baal, Elijah tucks his tail and he runs. There's no record that he consulted the Lord. He just ran. Before we come, too, come down too hard on Elijah, we should recognize that Elijah had valid reasons to be discouraged. The situation looked bad. Jezebel said she was going to kill him. Discouragement often comes because of very valid concerns. Our health declines. We suffer an injury. The, bill, the bills accumulate. The plant closes. A spouse comes to us and says they no longer love us. Your child makes a bad choice and heads down the wrong road. Financial setbacks, relationship, family issues. There's just an endless supply of things. These are things that can discourage and depress us. These are real issues. These are real issues. The truth is, every one of us, every one of us will face real issues, real threats to our lives. That is just part of living in a broken, sinful world that is in open rebellion to God. It's easy for these things to lead us to become discouraged. We have emotions that are affected by our circumstances. This, this is part of our humanity. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. The real issue becomes what we do with those emotions. Do we take those emotions to the Lord? Or do we let those emotions take us? Do we keep them under control? Or do we let them control us? Here, Elijah did what many of us are prone to do. He let emotions take control. He led him to, to make some very irrational behaviors. After all he had faced, the dry brook, the, the empty flour and oil jars, the, the dead widow's son, the prophets of Baal and, and the lack of rain. After all he had seen, after all he had seen the Lord do, close the heavens from rain, feed him by ravens, replenish the flour and the oil, raise the widow's boy, send fire from heaven, consume the sacrifice, enable him to destroy the false prophets, and outrun a chariot all the way to Jezreel seems that Jezebel should have been a nothing, a non-problem after all he had witnessed, after all he had experienced. Yet Elijah does the irrational, and he, and he runs away in fear and despair. Now notice, he doesn't just leave Jezreel. Elijah runs south almost 125 miles to Beersheba. 
He actually left Israel and ran all the way to the southern border of Judah. He went as far as he could to get away from this, the reach of this one woman. This is after, this is after the Lord had, had hid him and provided for him in Zarephath. Remember when he hid out with the widow in Zarephath, right in Jezebel's own backyard. He had stayed there year, two years. Yet here he is so fearful and discouraged that he allows this to bring him to a point of utter depression. It's enough! Take my life. Not worth it. The behavior is irrational. And that is one of the effects of despair on the human mind. It causes the sufferer to think in ways that are not normal. Depressed people often do things that defy logic and description. Yet, to them, their actions make perfect sense. Despair can lead people to a point of depression, just like Elijah. They often do this because of catastrophic thinking. Catastrophic thinking. You may ask, what is catastrophic thinking? Think of of an avalanche of fears, or the, the domino effect that they cause. I mean, for example, take your, say you're a teenager, and you're going to take a big test. But you're not ready for the test. You didn't study the night before. Suddenly it occurs to you, I'm going to fail this test. I'm going to fail this test. Which means I'm going to fail this class. Which means I'm going to have to drop out of school. Which, which means my, my parents are, are going to get mad. I'm going to get kicked out of the house. I'm going I'm to be homeless. I'm going to end up out on the streets taking drugs. I'm going to end up dying in some back alley somewhere and nobody will ever find me. See what happened? How did we get from taking a test to dying on the streets? It's catastrophic thinking. Or we allow our emotions to take control and bring every possible scenario, worst-case scenario, to our minds. Some of you have the, the gift of catastrophic thinking, right? Some can do it without even trying. They're super gifted at it. Yeah? Seems like Elijah was doing some of that. Can soar with high expectations one minute, and Je- then Jezebel's threats seem to sweep all that away the next. An avalanche of possible catastrophes can overwhelm us. Catastrophic thinking is a massive contributor to depression. Domino effect of, of emotions can lead us to, from simply be, being discouraged to, to then despair, become depressed, despondent. That's where we find our man, Elijah. We see an example of this in Psalm 42. We don't have time to read the whole psalm this morning, but I would encourage you to go read it. Read Psalm 42. There the the psalmist there vacillates between sorrow and joy. He pours out his pain to let us know that one minute he's up and, and the next minute, the next minute he's brought low. How? How can we allow these situations to bring us to this, this point? 
When we consider the great ministry enjoyed by Elijah, we may wonder, what got him in this shape? What got him here? Well, I think there are a few reasons that we can see here that contributed to this. To Elijah ending up under this broom tree asking God to take his life. These are some of the same reasons that can lead to the same problems for, for you and for me. We don't heed the warning signs. Emotional and physical exhaustion. Elijah had just gone through a, a very intense period. Mountaintop experiences like, like Mount Carmel are great. but They're also very, very draining. Don't forget that Elijah had, all, had all also just ran 20 miles in front of Ahab's chariot. He was physically and emotionally exhausted. He's physically exhausted. After the activity in Carmel, running to Jezreel, now on his flight to Beersheba, this man is totally exhausted physically. He's totally exhausted. Our bodies are, are not designed to be pushed constantly. The Lord set up things so that man would take a day of rest. Genesis 2.2, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Mark 2.27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, God instituted the Sabbath for us. For us, to be a benefit to us. To give us a rest from our labors. The Lord, he didn't need to take a rest. He did it as an example for us because he knew, he knows we need to take a physical rest. We need a break. Even the Lord Jesus Christ took time away from his work to rest his body. Mark 6.31 Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going and that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Physical exhaustion can cause us to react differently to things in our lives. So can emotional exhaustion. See, Elijah was emotionally spent. He was drained from the ministry that he'd been performing. He'd been giving out constantly to Ahab. The stress, the stress from confronting the king, going before the king, and then the widow, assuring her of God's providing. The widow's son who died. The guilt, the, the questioning that would have happened there. Then the nation of Israel trying to confront his, his nation and call them to, to repentance. And this takes a lot of courage. This takes a lot of emotional, emotional power for us to do this. I mean, you know that. When you, when you are forced to confront somebody in your life, do you think about having that difficult conversation with somebody? How you prepare for it. Think through everything. And then you do it, and you come away. <sighs> He's emotionally drained. There's an old Greek saying that says, you will break the bow if you keep it always bent. There are times when you must unstring yourselves and relax. 
we don't, we will break after a while. God never designed us for the, the type of pressures we often allow. No, no, that we subject ourselves to. The constant stress of life is a major cause of, of disease and death. When we're under stress, our bodies release a, a chemical called adrenaline. It energizes us, and it, and it helps us to get things done that need to be done. It gives us a sudden burst of energy. However, when, when adrenaline is constantly being pumped into our system, it, ha- it can have a, a negative long-term effect on the body. Some scientists say that it can, it can, it can cause very serious physical damage. And when we're emotionally drained, we can make rash decisions. We can be irritable, angry, defensive, vindictive, revengeful, or or petty. We may not want to put in the effort to even think through the situation. We just give an, an easy answer, one that releases us from the immediate pressure. Decisions that we may not otherwise make. It's unhealthy physically and emotionally. Let's face it, we we run from activity to activity with a cell phone in one hand and a a day planner in the other. We stay up late, we get up early. We don't take time for our bodies to rest. This is not, this is not what God planned. And it can lead to serious trouble for us. Are you suffering from physical or emotional exhaustion. Are you? Sooner or later, it happens to all of us. We're just busy doing life, trying hard to get it all done, juggling responsibilities, carrying constant pressure and stress. And then one day we start to crumble. And as the pieces fall, so do we, and, and we're not even sure what happened. We just know that we're spent, we're, we're dry. We're weary. We're we're totally exhausted. In Exodus 17, we find the Israelites facing a fierce enemy, the the Amalekites. The Amalekites, they killed for sport. They were on the attack against God's people. Moses told them that as Joshua led the people in battle, he would go up on the top of a hill, and he would hold out his staff over, over them. God's word tells us as long as, as Moses held his hand up there with that staff, the Israelites were winning. But whenever, whenever his arm grew weary and began to drop, they would, they would begin to lose. They would be overrun. So Aaron and Hur came up and held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And a miracle happened. Even even though all the odds were stacked up against them, the the, the people defeated this powerful enemy. God gave them victory because they believed. The Lord is my banner, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord, it says in Exodus 17. This is a powerful reminder that some days, even the best of leaders, warriors, and faith-filled believers can grow weary and exhausted. If you're you're mentally exhausted, you're struggling to keep your head up, there is hope for healing, for God's strength to be your banner. You need 
to take time to rest, physically and emotionally. The Lord knows this, and he does not rebuke Elijah for sleeping in, as we continue in chapter 19 and verses 5 through 7. Elijah lays down. The Lord doesn't rebuke him for that. We're going to cover that next week or the week after. God refreshes the prophet, allows him to sleep and to get the rest that he needs. And then he puts us in a body of believers that we can lean on. When we're tired, we're weak, we need to allow those in the fellowship, in the body, that the Lord has placed us in to come alongside, to hold us up. That's why he puts us in a body. That's why we're told not to forsake the assembly. We need to take time to rest. The Lord will replenish us as we do that, as we spend time with him. That's why he, that's why he gave us the Sabbath, so that we would unplug ourselves from the stress of life, from all of our physical activities. Just take time to rest, to heal to recover, to spend time with him, communing with him so that he can restore our spirit. We can reconnect all of those, those crazy fears that keep building up in us, those, that catastrophic thinking as we begin to dwell on this problem and that problem and, and we just allow those things to take us to the worst possible place. It gives us time Spend with him. Lord, I've got this problem. I don't know what to do. And then he reminds us the truth of his word, how he will rescue us from those things. He gives us peace for our souls. He builds our faith. Instead of us just letting those thoughts, those emotions take us deeper and deeper, till we're despondent. We just want to throw in the towel. We want to give up. It's not the way he set it up for us. He gave us the Sabbath for a reason. Because he knows in this world you will have trouble. The world hated me. They will hate you. We're going to have difficulty. Things are going to happen. Whoever, whoever told you or whoever said that a Christian, as soon as you come to the Lord, everything is going to be fine, it's a lie. It's not true. Oftentimes, that's when things get the worst. Because that's when the world really comes at you. That's when, that's when Satan really ramps up the attacks. The Lord knows this. That's why he, he gave us the Sabbath, the time, to unplug, to reconnect with him. That's why he gave us a body of believers, because he knows real threats, exhaustion, physical and emotional, cause us to, to reach a point where we, where we become irrational. We may know the truth of God's word, but when we're in the midst of some of those difficulties and we're all worn out and we're all, we're all worn down, we, it's like we forget all of it. None of it matters. No, 
I know that's what it says. I don't know if I believe it anymore. I don't even see it. It's not even worth it anymore. I just want to get away. It's where we find Elijah. It's where we often find ourselves. We need to take time to rest. We need to hold one another up. He put us in a body for that reason. It's iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're here to build up and to encourage one another. So we go through difficulties. We can come alongside each other. One gets on one side and one gets on the other. We hold each other up. I know, I know it's hard right now. I see, I see the struggle you're going through right now. Let me share with you how I got through it, how the Lord saw me through that. As we hold each other up in prayer, encourage each other, point out the truth of Scripture to each other. Sometimes, sometimes we don't know exactly. We haven't experienced those things. But we've experienced other things. And sometimes we just need to have somebody there. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. Just be there. It's not a weakness. The Lord designed us that way. The Lord designed us that way. Physical and emotional exhaustion can lead to discouragement. And that can lead us to make irrational decisions and to, to fall into depression. We're going to stop there tonight, or today. But I want you to think about Elijah. A man just like us. A nature like ours. And we, yes, often we look at Elijah and we hold him up as, as that powerful example of, of prayer as James talks about. Amazing things that God can do with an ordinary man. Somebody from, that he plucks out of nowhere. Uses him in an amazing way for his nation confront a wayward king and a wayward nation and, and to call them to repentance, to, to perform a miracle displaying God's awesome power. Yet that very same man, nature just like ours, and he faced real threats, real things in his life. And because of his, his physical and, and emotional exhaustion, he allowed those things, those, those real threats to overcome him. He allowed those emotions to control him. Instead of taking it to the Lord, he let them take him. He's a powerful reminder that the same thing can happen to us. We can be used by God in an amazing way. But we're also vulnerable to the very same things that, that Elijah was vulnerable to. We will experience difficulty in our life. Every one of us. And we could probably sit here for hours and hours sharing about all of the things, that, the struggles that we have gone through. 
But the Lord, the Lord can help us through every one of those difficulties. He is there. He wants us to bring those things to us, to him. That's why he gave us the Sabbath, so that we would unplug from those things and take the time to spend with him, to recharge our batteries physically and emotionally. He knit us together. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knows exactly how we are made and what we need. We need to take time to spend with him, to slow down, spend time with him. We need to encourage one another. And oftentimes that can be, that can cause us to, it forces us to be vulnerable with one another, to share the cares and the concerns of our life and the difficulties and the struggles that we're in. And, and sometimes, you know, we like to put up, oh, everything is fine, everything is just dandy, life is good. And the reality is, is things are beginning to close in around us and feel like things are beginning to crumble. And then, and then suddenly somebody doesn't sh- show up to church anymore. They stop returning your phone calls or your text messages. And next thing you hear, you know, they've gone off. What happened? What happened to them? They were physically and emotionally drained, exhausted. Real threats came into their lives and allowed them to, and they allowed those things to take them over. They didn't bring them to the Lord. They didn't allow their brothers or their sisters in to hold them up, to encourage them. We need to do those things. We need to take those real threats to the Lord. We need to get the rest that we need, and we need come alongside one another. We need to allow one another to come alongside us. It can be easy. That's the easier part for us to come alongside somebody else, but to allow somebody else to do that for us. It's not a weakness. It's what we were created for. So let us learn the example of Elijah. Take time. Take time for him. Take time for one another. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you again. And Father, your word is a powerful example for us. Every word that you write is there for a reason, for a purpose, for our lives. And Father, even as we have been looking at this man, Elijah, man that you used in, a, in an amazing way, Father, that you, you performed an amazing thing in his life and through his life. You used him to confront a wayward nation. Father, he's, he's recorded as a, as a powerful example of, of faithful prayer. Someone for us to, to emulate. Yet, Father, he was also a man with a nature like ours. And, Father, he struggled and he, he had real threats in his life, real valid concerns that 
came into his life. Father, he struggled with some of the same things. Father, he, he grew physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. And Father, instead of taking those things to you, Father, he let those things take him away, lead him to a point of despair. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn the lesson to not do those things. Father, that we would take that Sabbath rest that we need, that we would recognize our need to to unplug from the world, to rest from our labors, and to reconnect with you, the source of power for our lives. Father, that we would recognize that we need to come alongside one another. Father, that we would hold one another up in our times of need, but yet even more, Father, that we would humble ourselves and allow others to come alongside us, to hold us up. And that's why you put us together. Father, I pray that if anyone here is struggling with depression or despair, Father, they would not, they would not allow themselves to get to the point that we find Elijah. Father, that they would take time to rest and to reconnect. Father, that they would allow us to come alongside them. Father, that we could hold them up. Father, I, I just, again, thank you for the truth of your word and the lessons that are there for us. And Father, I just pray that you would help us, help us, help us not to allow the things of this world to take us away from you and what you have for us. Father, we we thank you in advance for how you're going to work this out in our lives for your glory and for our good. We give you thanks for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.